Hello and welcome, fellow awesomeologists to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're bringing you our predictions for 2024. Yes, we were already in the groove. We were predicting, no, we were doing lists. We were doing Do lists. Do I know what we were doing? It's tough to tell. Maybe it's hard. <laughs> it's tough to tell if I know. <laughs> I think it should be really obvious kinda, I don't. <laughs> you kind of set yourself up for that one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've cooked up our top three predictions for 2024, nonetheless. Whether you can tell what's going on with me or not, <laughs> you do know that I have notes with three predictions on them. I do know that. Yes. Will we be right? We're pretty darn smart. We'll see. We'll but see. only time will tell. Right. Yeah. If we're right, we'll do a recap episode at the end of next year. If we're not, you'll probably never hear from us about these right. topics again. We'll just forget we talked about it. Right. <laughs> That's the way to go. That's how you do it. Yes. Marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Kick right, us so off. Are we, we're diving right in. We're huh? doing it. You, All right. We're doing it. Unless you have more you want to talk about. I don't. I guess I will just maybe frame up my predictions at least and say I had this tough time of like not making everything a hot take, like mm -hmm. going super bold or something. I think all mine are pretty realistic. Are they? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think okay. so, but we'll see. Time will tell. Right? Okay. Well, as long as you, as long as you're starting with a disclaimer, I tried to go positive. Mm-hmm. And like predict predict things that are going to largely create positive change. Yeah. And at least one of the three of mine, I'm like, mm, I don't actually think that's true. Okay. So yeah. I'll let I'll let you guess. You don't think that its positivity is true. I or? yeah. Okay. I don't yeah. actually think that my it's sort of me trying to manifest yeah. this thing. Yeah. So I think two of my three, and then we will get into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> two of my three are clearly. Um, um, two of my three could be taken either way. Okay. One of them is definitely, I think, just positive. But we'll see. We'll see what people think. Okay. All right. So first one, I think that there will be an increased emphasis on personalization and privacy. Now, this might not be like, this is definitely not a hot take. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've been talking about personalization for a long time. Privacy seems to be covered, talked about. Uh, put front of mind for people all the time. Um, and I mm -hmm. think it's going to increase, I guess. Maybe that's the prediction or the hot take and, and might be even tough to wrap your head around. Is like, how can we increase our awareness or the delivery of personalization and privacy, right? We're doing, it seems like right. we're doing our best to do those things all the time, always now, right? Right. Um, but um, I think as things like, data breaches continue to happen as um, people get better and better at personalization that like creepo meter will continue to go up and that's going to like question people's um, or that's going to make people like question their privacy, their security mm -hmm. and all of that. Um, and so I think it's just going to like continue to increase. And I think that, um, as people get smarter and smarter and see more and more things that are personalized to them, people are like, I think, used to remarketing now and some of the things mm -hmm. that were creepy at once. Um, I think as that just continues to be more and more the norm, we see more and more of it, more and more marketers get better at it. I think people's like BS meters are just like cranked up and they're mm -hmm. going to see through the personalization. They're going to see through... Um, what I think at one time was like a cool trick that marketers could do mm -hmm. and everybody just is going to kind of understand like, well, that's just how I get 
that's how I receive my marketing now. It, it's personalized now. Right. You know, and so it's it's going to be less special. So we're going to have this challenge of, I, we're still going to have to do it, don't get me wrong, but mm. I think we're going to have this challenge of how do we continue to create a special experience that mm. feels personalized and like we actually care about the people that we're marketing to. And I'm really generalizing here. We definitely care about the people right. that we're marketing to, but there's a lot of people that don't. They're right. just, you know, fish in the sea trying to sell them something, right? But yeah, so we'll see what it looks like, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be heightened both on the marketer's side and the people receiving this information. There's just this extra awareness and sensitivity to it all that's going to happen, I think. Okay, I'll buy that. I, I actually was thinking something along those lines and what a place I want to get to in terms of personalization is I want like between us as marketers and the people receiving the messages, I want us to find that middle ground where you don't feel unsafe, mm -hmm. but I can still know you like hazelnut creamer in your coffee right? or whatever it is. Yeah. And it not because that's not private data, but I do think that people have gotten ha, ha, sort of conflated all together. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. a, a marketer calling you by name and knowing that you made, you at least researched a purchase yeah. isn't inherently dangerous. Right. As long as they're ethical. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking for myself, I think as long as there's a value add, and this I think is where it gets down to a matter of opinion or people's personal preferences. Like for me, and I'm a marketer, so I know I'm biased, but I think when I see a personalized ad and they clearly know that I was researching something that I'm looking to buy, I see it as a convenience. Like, oh, you're sending me other options that maybe I haven't mm -hmm. considered or additional educational material that might inform my purchase like as best as I can and sure maybe also influence me to spend more or buy this product over that product or whatever but at the end of the day that I think that decision is still up to me right uh, and I have control over that and and it can get messy you know because mm -hmm. of you know these tactics and stuff so I, I definitely see both sides to it but I think as long as it's bringing me additional information and education and like value in the thing that I'm dedicating my money to I'm mm -hmm. I'm cool with it and I think along with that, like, I, I don't need catchy email title or hyper-personalized graphic or something. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I'd, I imagine that the majority of people don't necessarily care about that stuff. They want to know, like, what, is, what are you going to do for me? What is your product going to do for me? Right. What is your service going to do for me? And if that is a personalized experience so that, people are understanding exactly the value that it brings to their lives. And that's done in a personalized way. I don't think people will care about that mm -hmm. at all. They'll actually appreciate it. I guess going back to similar category of what I was just talking about. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. It, I mean, it comes back to that classic idea of, you know, the what's in it for me, what are the benefits of the thing? Right. And no amount of plugging my name into the email subject line. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it really connects those pieces for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that maybe that's that's probably what turns me off. Oh, so you know my name, right? But yeah, 
you don't you know, like there's all of this other stuff you don't know. Yeah. And also I don't want you to. So what are you going to do, Mark? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sidebar, but related and maybe a bit down into the weeds, you know, thinking of that like custom email experience and really any custom ad. Um, what I think is something that marketers have to figure out. Maybe some have and some do it well and we just don't see it or hear it enough. Um, it's like, how can we make sure that we're actually serving relevant information to people? Like if I'm researching purchasing an electric vehicle, I make that purchase. It annoys the crap out of me for the next six months when I still get information about considering buying a, an electric right. vehicle or whatever. It's like, right. no, I bought that thing a long time ago and you knew I was shopping for it. So you should somehow know that I bought it. Right. So, um, like how do we, you know, really personalize it down to the point of, Again, maybe another level of creepiness, but mm -hmm. one that at least gives me relevant information, you know. Right. So. Yeah. Awesome. Good start. Hey, thanks. Strong. Yeah. Starting strong. 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 Real strong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I think uh, you know, looking at our list here, I think we're, we were really like vibing on a wavelength here. So, um, my prediction is that AI is going to become quote unquote normalized. Sure. I think it was a big, scary unknown at, you know, coming into this year. It, we had seen it coming, mm -hmm. right? But it wasn't until we started to see, you know, chat GPT and some of the things that were possible yeah. um, that we got. What is that? What is the term? The uncanny valley. Have you ever heard of the uncanny valley? Mm -mm. Um, I think it's really more like a visual phenomena. Okay. Um, but it's the, the feeling when you look at something that is close to being human, but not human. Hmm. Right. So it just is, there's, there's a particular, I, I probably described it poorly. Okay. I, this is just me <laughs> saying words. I know it's the squinty face that I'm giving you that the listener can't see. Yeah. Right. Don't worry. I'm just confused. <laughs> It's not okay. you, it's me. Yes. So <laughs> I think this is a similar thing. It's that uncanny valley feeling of there is something not right about that. Even though it has all of the features I would expect it to have. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and even, even you and I, have we, we had at the beginning of the year, we had a, a whole podcast about AI. And um, express some concerns, but now we've already transitioned to the like, what are we going to do with it? Right. What is how can how do we leverage this? Yeah. Um, and knowing, knowing that we're thinking, let's normalize this. Let's make it help us with our workflow. Mm -hmm. Let's be the human beings controlling this thing. Yeah. To benefit ourselves. Right. For sure. Uh, that my prediction is that if not by the end of 2024, in 18 months, whatever, uh, like we'll be, we will have moved on to our next fear. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. And we, it will, AI well, will be normalized. It'll be an election year. So, I mean. right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that normalize, normalizing AI is my prediction. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, it, it is interesting, like, the title of normalizing AI because it does already feel kind of normal as much as we've been talking about it and interacting with it. And 
and gosh, if that doesn't just like tell the story of like the pace of things and the pace mm-hmm. of change, right? Like, you know, 10 months ago we were having an episode like, hey, let's talk about this thing that's yeah. pretty new and not a lot of people are talking about to now we're like, yeah, okay, it'll just be normal next year. Right. You know? So yeah, super interesting. But yeah, I think you're onto something there for sure. Well, in the realm of AI, my next prediction is that chat GPT will be bested. And I guess I'll just uh, say it might already be. It's just I don't know if enough people are aware of what is better, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch about this that I don't understand, so I'll ad- I'll admit that. But, you know, <laughs> how people use things like chat GPT, whether it's, you know, um, using chat GPT on the web or, you know, some sort of integration or, you know, API connection to it using chat GPT alongside some other system. Like we already know about how bringing AI, um, whether it's through open AI or some other service um, into your own systems, like can just blow up your operation Mm. and, you know, create all these cool opportunities for you. Um, What inspired this one admittedly is a whole bunch of recency bias and our teammate Pam uh, introducing us to Gemini. Uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, so I watched the TikTok that she shared with us and, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Did you see it? No. Okay. That's okay. Don't tell Pam. Okay. That's fine. Well, <laughs> sh- by time Pam knows, you'll have seen it. I'm I will sure. have seen it. But, yes. But yeah, and I'm going to pretend I never said that. Yeah. Okay. So well, it's on record. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's different, you know, it's less, um, like insert prompt and get result. Mm-hmm. It's um, really kind of observational at the same time. So um, I, I won't say anything else, but um, all this to say, I think that as, you know, right back to that conversation about the rate of change being incredibly fast and everything, not only were we just talking about like how AI might come into our lives a bit more 10 months ago, you know, now we're talking about the AI that a lot of us were talking about being one-upped and Mm -hmm. it's only going to continue people are going to continue to compete in this space and develop and it's going to get connected to things that we're using i told a story yesterday in the meeting where we were introduced to gemini about uh, my wife using it uh, at work she's a teacher and just how it can help you know create so many efficiencies for a a job like that so um to see what it's going to look like in a year is Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going to try and predict that because I can't even wrap my head around that. And it's, it's going to be different and amazing yeah. and hopefully yeah. all positive. <laughs> right. Well, and I think there is a certain level of inevitability that uh, it, it seems like the speed of technology is being driven forward by something, the new thing always being bested. Yeah. So I think it's a safe bet that chat GPT uh, that someone someone comes along and does it better, mm-hmm. and then that probably means Chat GPT. I don't it, like the two options seem to be either gets absorbed, yeah, right. by someone else, mm-hmm. or innovates, yeah, and and then it becomes leapfrog, right? You yeah. know, AI yeah. leapfrog. Yeah, yeah. So when I thought of this prediction, I was definitely in like hot take mode, and I think specifically <laughs> what I'm thinking of is you know how like if I don't know, you're at a conference or you're watching a webinar or whatever, even reading something in the news. If it's anything AI related, the speaker's just talking about how AI needs to be a part of your operation, whatever. Or the news article is something about AI. 
chat GPT is the one that's mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the one that everybody's heard about. It's the one that people have tested or toyed with, you know, whatever. Um, it's going to be something different next year is mm -hmm. what I mean. Like maybe it's Gemini, maybe it's something else. Um, but that's going to be the one that's like that first example that people give because I think it's going to be better than right. ChatGPT. So ChatGPT is going to become the MySpace. Yes. Right. Of AI. Yeah. That's super hot. That's boiling <laughs> hot. Because right? I don't think ChatGPT is going anywhere. Or I, no, Neither did MySpace, that. bro. It's yeah. still out there. Yeah, yeah. Still out there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So mine, now I said I focused on positivity and I cheated with this one because I, <laughs> I looked for what is positive because this is genuinely something I'm worried about and that is deep fake technology. Sure. And where there are two pieces of this, two things I'm aware of um, where I think we need to be very cognizant as consumers of anything. <laughs> um, number one, uh, fraud. Because we already know of instances of fraud, phone fraud, where someone who doesn't even sound like someone in your family, you know, calls a grandparent and grandma, I'm, I'm going to go to jail and you have to send me money. And, um, and, uh, now, <laughs> there is the ability, especially with how much people have their likeness and their voice readily available to other people. Yeah. There's this ability to actually deep fake you mm -hmm. and do that kind of thing. And I think, uh, I think that's scary, but there's a way. There is a way it can be a net positive. The other part, speaking of the election, which you mentioned, um, I think anyone who is interest, anyone who is voting, and everyone who is of legal age should vote. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, need will need to be much more discerning about the political advertising that we see. Because deepfake technology is so advanced, and I think it's the fact, it dovetails with the fact that the way we are, we have become accustomed to consuming video is that everything is fast-paced. So many things are fast-paced. Yeah. And so you won't necessarily have time in a two-second clip. You will be left with an impression of what you think you saw, which could be true or could be a deep fake. Um, but you won't have the time to have discernment in the moment. Yeah. So I think that means the net positive for both of these things is that it builds this opportunity for us all to become smarter, to figure out um, what is, you know, thinking about phone fraud and the other things that people could be doing with it. Um, what do I have to do to protect the people in my family? How do I educate, you know, grandma or my auntie or whoever it is and help them understand, you know, 
if you get put in this situation, this is the step to take. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we think about political ads, and I think I, you can do this with any ad, but I think particularly political ads, because that all, they so often turn around that call to personality. And that is, that's the thing that I think is most open to deep fake, right? To, um, to paint someone as this, you know, doing this thing or being that way, or just to uh, manipulate images and sounds to create this impression, even in very quick clips. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that means that people who are consuming those kinds of things have a real opportunity to stop getting their political information from political ads mm. and to start. Uh, I think I would definitely advocate for people find a trusted news source, um, preferably trusted and unbiased. And this is our opportunity. Um, to break out of that, those silos politically that people are in and look for something that is truly unbiased, Mm fact-based and uh, stop listening to your weird uncle at Thanksgiving (laughs) (laughs) for your political information. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's interesting because there's a lot of like personal work that goes into like, Know, remedying or preventing those situations that can cause people a lot of trouble, whether it's voting for the wrong person or um, being susceptible to fraud and losing a bunch right. of money or whatever, right? So, um, yeah, the, like, diligence that people will have to take to, um, to yeah, prevent scenarios or yeah. um, recover while in them is going to be cranked up right. with all this for sure. And uh- – on a positive note, that means an expansiveness of our brains. That mm-hmm. means more opportunity to learn and grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I do think that there's, um, this is maybe an example of um, how efficiencies in our life and in the world that can be created by technologies like AI and stuff can allow room for us to scrutinize mm-hmm. and to educate and, you know, take a break to do the things that we need to do to protect ourselves and, you know, all of those things, as well as just have more time to be happy and right. be free doing whatever we want, creative, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is that you do with that extra time that we gain by all this great technology. Um, some of that extra time might need to be eaten up by protecting ourselves from it too, or not the technology, but the scenarios that can happen because of right. its capability, you know? So, right. Yeah. That was a good one. Thank you. And kudos for the positive spin. Cause I'll admit Almost the whole time you were talking, I was like, "Come on, where's the where's the positivity?" Yeah, here? yeah, yeah. I know that was a that was a tough yeah. one, but I, I have talked myself into believing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it's legit. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, number three already. Here we go. Um, my third and final prediction is that AR, AI, AR, ChatGPT. We're just throwing all the letters out yeah. today. Yeah, Um <laughs> AR, augmented reality, will be the breakout star in 2024. Uh, so like chat GPT was the thing that emerged in 23 and is what everybody was talking about. 
I think that it's going to be AR in 2024. And I think that that's largely going to be driven by the release of Apple's Vision Pro headset um, and um, Meta's platform, the goodness gracious. Metaverse? Well, not not so much the no. Metaverse, their headset. Why can't I think oh, of it? Oculus? Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, right? Uh, no, that might be another one. I don't know. Whatever they're doing. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, that's going to get better. Um, gosh, it's really bugging me that I can't think of the name of it right now. Should have made better notes. That's okay. That's but okay. The Vision Pro in particular, I think, um, and really all of this kind of like AR experience is going to, I mean, I think it's going to change everything. And you know how much I dislike right. saying everything. Yeah, that surprises me. I think it's going to change relationships, how we build them and maintain them. I think it's going to change the way we work for sure. I mean, like there's a real possibility. Not This is very simple and at the end of the day not like earth shattering or uh, I, I don't think anyway like there's a real possibility that like people aren't going to need desks right like mm -hmm. we may sit in a chair people aren't going to need monitors you know people are just going to be connected to a headset and the monitors are in their reality augmented and blended in with their you know physical reality and create this like amazing virtual space for us to work in that's going to make what we thought was virtual work look like the stone age you know i mean right. it's, i think it's really got a big uh like there's a big chance for it to just absolutely transform the way that we do things particularly creatives mm -hmm. um but really anyone i think especially when you combine that like mixed reality experience with things like ai and mm -hmm. you know i mean imagine like the ability to sit back with this headset on, see your physical space, see the augmented reality and the virtual space that comes with it and be able to like create visual stuff while also saying, Hey, throw a prompt out there for AI to generate something for you to like help enhance mm -hmm. whatever you're creating. You know, I mean, just like imagine what that might look like. And I, I think I can imagine it, but I'm sure whatever I'm imagining is going to be blown away by whatever the reality will be with it. You know? So, um, I guess I'm, I'm not saying that we will see like a similar wave of, uh, change in the way that we work, like we did during the pandemic or anything where we were really forced, like everybody mm -hmm. was forced to do, not everybody, a lot, whole lot of people were forced to change the way that they work. This comes at a cost and this mm -hmm. can be a bit more of a choice. Um, but I think that the people that have the means, you know, cause it's also not cheap, like the the headset, the pricing starts at like $2,700 or something like that. Um, the people that have the means and that want that change and maybe have, you know, a, a job or um, do something professionally that allows it to be incorporated into their mm -hmm. work. Um, I think it's going to change their world. It's going to, people are going to see how it changes and people are going to want to get on board. That's probably my hottest take of my That career. is a hot take. I have, I have two questions for you. Number one. I'll do my best. Number one, why, why now? Because AR is something that has been like I have heard the same things you just said about AR. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many years in a row, right? Yeah, I I couldn't even tell you when the first device that was that was going to do the things you're saying. Yeah, came out. So why now? Um, I think that, um, and I'm absolutely biased um because i'm a super user but i think that because apple is 
in the game and develop their own headset, I think that's a big part of it. I think that the experience is going to be like nothing people have seen before. Um, so that's that's one thing, I think. And two, I think remnants of the pandemic, I think that people are going to be more open to it than they've ever been to it mm, before. Mm-hmm. Like the idea, like, I think once upon a time to think, how could I change the way I work to this completely new way? Like, I, I can't even imagine mm-hmm. it, you know, and the advantage that AR has now is we've seen it. You know, we, we've seen significant change in the way that mm-hmm. people work. It was maybe forced on us and some liked it, some didn't. Some are still doing it, some aren't. Um, but I think that no one can deny that there was a significant change that happened. And I think that people's openness to the fact that significant change could happen again is something that hasn't existed before. Mm-hmm. And maybe the fact that more people are, you know, companies have gone to a distance hiring plan, more people are working from home. Maybe that has pushed down this barrier where previously people thought, well, what am I going to do? Sit in the office wearing goggles? Yeah. You know, what is that? Right. What is that? That doesn't make any sense. We, you know, so we're going to be in the office and be around our coworkers and not see them because we're wearing goggles. <laughs> um, yeah. As opposed to if you're at home and this is an augmented reality instead of, you know, you, if you maybe are already alone. Mm-hmm. It just feels more approachable that way. Yeah. yeah. But that that does bring me straight to my next question, which is what is your prediction then for what happens with dogs and cats randomly appearing in work meetings? Because I don't know if that fits into the augmented reality <laughs> future. And that concerns me. I'll be uh, honest. Yeah. I just think there's a whole new world world of possibility. <laughs> we have to get goggles for the dogs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think you could even go like a step further with this and, um, you know, imagine what it looks like for people to not even have a computer, mm-hmm. you know, and this is the way that they work as, you know, speech to text only gets better as that's supported with, you know, AI tools and things like that. Like, I mean, everything that we type could be dictated. Um, that entire dictation could be, you know, edited and fixed with different tools instead of a keyboard mm-hmm. and mouse. It's using your fingertips and gestures in a virtual space, maybe even your eye movement and things like that. And don't get me started when, until, or don't get me started on, uh, you know, adding a brain chip into the mix of all this, right? I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Right. Stop. That's the, uh, that's, we'll save that for the 2030 prediction okay. episode. Okay. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> It'll probably be a year before <laughs> we know it. But yeah, um, we'll see. Maybe a hot take. Maybe that's one that will myth bust really mm-hmm. yeah. uh, easily next year. But um, I think there's potential for sure. Cool. Well, I mean, it sounds like we're both sort of ending off, like capping this off with a hot take. Because yeah. now, as you keep saying hot take, I'm like, mm, that probably what this number three is. This is like, uh, this is the one that I, I, I was trying to employ the secret to manifest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And this prediction is that in 2024, Threads will find its footing. It will figure out who it wants to be when it grows up. Um, and it will surge in popularity. Uh, we had It had this massive subscribing surge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and we've talked about this before, I think primarily because they made it damn near as easy as you could possibly make it to sign right. up. <laughs> right. Um, and as of right now, it is not even in the top 15 of worldwide social media most popular. Um, even though all of its cousins, brothers, sisters, all of the meta products, yeah, um, are are there. Facebook is number one, yeah, which surprised me. Really? Yeah, mm. yeah. That it's still that's maintaining that, mm. yeah. and by by a nice chunk. Yeah. So, oh now. Uh, 303 million. I don't. So Hmm. as you can see on this sheet, it cut off what that metric is, but I can tell you that Facebook has more than twice as many users still as TikTok. And I think you would have, I would have predicted TikTok was going to be, I mean, it's not, it's high, high highish up on the list. It's number six out of 15, Yeah, but I would predict it would have been higher. Um, YouTube coming in second. Uh, Surprises you? Um, maybe a little, but I think there's. I have bias around YouTube because we we stepped away from YouTube and a strategy with it. Yeah. So I don't think about YouTube that much. Right. And and also, P.S. In my personal life, we probably watch YouTube daily. Hmm. So. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I think maybe it's more that I don't think of it as a social network. Right. Yeah. So, right. um, WhatsApp is third Instagram at fourth. Uh, so my prediction, oh, messenger at seventh is that, I mean, it seems clear that the meta products, what it, whatever people's personal feeling about meta, um, is it seems clear that they have a magic sauce with their products. There's something about them. I think that they looking at this list and I'll share the link to the article this came from um, the thing that Meta's products have in common is the universality of them, you know, and that it connects generationally for sure. Yep. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say that I think is probably the number one or two reason that it's mm-hmm. still at the top of the list, right? Like every, not every other, but a lot of other social media platforms, you know, they came onto the scene whenever they came on, probably highly adopted by a certain generation. And then as that generation gets older, the generations behind it maybe mm-hmm. come on, right? And Facebook kind of had this interesting experience where it started, you know, college age uh, based right and then those people got older and then it got opened up to people that weren't in college and then it almost like spread both ways right the right. next generation that came up they were adopting it because of course everybody older than them was on it we need to be on it too but then also the generations that were older than the initial users were like well I, w- I need to be on it so I can see what's going on with my kids and my grandkids right so right. that one really spread both ways whereas every other one just kind of like levels up as 
people age, you know. Mm-hmm. I suppose the fact that they were the first or, you know, maybe not back to MySpace. Listen. Way too many MySpace references don't, in this episode. Listen, yeah, don't sleep on MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> one of the first, obviously the biggest the one that had that big surge. Um, that probably has something to do with their, you know, still mm-hmm. leading the pack. I think another thing that's interesting about the list is just like the differences in the platforms, right? that are, you know, in that top 15. I mean, Facebook is not YouTube. YouTube is not Facebook. Very different. Mm-hmm. WhatsApp and Messenger, you know, clearly serving a specific function, even though that's maybe gotten a little blurry as they've changed and adopted too. But, um, and, you know, even like, even WhatsApp and Messenger, like um, there's a, I think the international factor of WhatsApp is, mm-hmm. you know, clearly what's created their growth and sustained size and adoption and things. Messenger does pretty much everything WhatsApp does. Maybe definitely does more, um, but serves like a different audience or has a different mm-hmm. like use case for people. So that, it's just interesting to see that. And I think it, I don't know, it simultaneously like brings more valid- validity to the people at the top of the list. And also like at the same time, um, makes it all make sense why like maybe threads isn't up there or, mm-hmm. I somehow I'm peeking at the note from across the way. Like why? Well, like why somehow WhatsApp is, what'd you say? Number four, number five. WhatsApp is number three. Number three. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Guess, guess where X is out of 15. 11. So close. Oh. 12. 12. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, Pinterest beats threads. Yeah. Pinterest is number 15. Maybe longevity has something to do with that, yeah. right? And a niche. There's a niche there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So that cool. that's my prediction is that they're going to figure that out. I, and I almost came, I almost came with the prediction that was a non-prediction, which is either it is going to find its place or it's going to get yeah. cut. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, part of our uh, little game that this isn't a game that we're playing. Today. It's all a game. It's all a game. It's all a game. <laughs> and a sham. Uh, is not to um, agree or disagree with each other, but I have to say, uh, your last one. I don't think you. I don't think that's happening. No. I don't think. Threads you don't is think gonna, so? No. <laughs> I told no. you. It's. I'm trying to manifest. Yeah. Hey, on behalf of Thread. You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you all the luck. Thanks. Thanks. And I wouldn't be sad, honestly. Um, there's a lot of efficiency for people like us marketers that. Uh, mm-hmm could be gained if threads actually did find its footing. Um, yeah. And yeah, just with everything going on with X and all of that, it, I don't know, it would just kind of feel good. Yeah. To see that, that that's, that's probably the reason I want to manifest this yeah. because I, I never felt we really hit our stride with Twitter. Yeah. That we, that we found how we needed to use it for the best effect. Mm-hmm. And um, I wouldn't, go back now to try and do that. Yeah. So threads was sort of threads is sort of my next hope. Yeah. Uh, it being as similar as it is. Right. To try and find, and, and it is not because I think it is so valuable, um, which if you're listening to this and you are looking for marketing device, I want to give you marketing device, which is don't think the way I'm about to describe this 
It's not because I think it's valuable. It's because of the puzzle for me mm. to figure out what I, I don't right now, especially looking at that list. I can't tell you it's the right place for us to be because it's not even that popular. Sure. Yeah. But the puzzle of figuring out how to talk to that audience to the best outcome is what intrigues me. Yeah. And it, it like that's that's like a that's a regret that I'm living with right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um if if this were to happen if threads finds its footing it'll be interesting to see how or why it happened right yeah you know thinking of twitter's growth i mean just very like specific uses for it um some like highly popular champions of it or you know like i don't know if you call them super users like trending users i suppose mm-hmm. is maybe the easiest way to describe it i think of like you know what jimmy fallon did with it you know to like create popularity for his segments on the tonight show but mm-hmm. by doing that created a ton of popularity for twitter um and then of course people like donald trump and elon musk and you know other people with a huge following in the way that they used it good or bad mm-hmm. uh, you know help i think helped kind of like reinforce its popularity and create you know additional usership and things like that so right similar things should be possible with threads right i mean at the Mm -hmm. end of the day it it is so similar like the same things could be achieved so maybe just some of those same like trending characters or um, specific uses in pop culture and things like that those are probably two of the most logical ways for them to get Mm -hmm. there it's just maybe getting the buy-in from those people or those companies to right actually use it and do it for it to really happen yeah yeah so that's what I'm going to be working on in all of my spare time. Oh, great. Excellent. In 2024, <laughs> just so you'll be wrong. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> all right. Yeah. No grudge there. Or anything. <laughs> Got it. Cool. Okay. Well, hey, some awesome predictions. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we crushed it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's give it a year. Let's see. Yeah. 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 It feels really good right now. Right. It's going to feel real sheepish. Yeah. At the end of the year. <laughs> Okay, well, let's wrap up and go into our Something Awesome segment where we share recommendations for cool things, great things that have happened, uh, maybe even awesome things that we've experienced or read lately, and I'll kick it off. Um, What inspired the link that I'm sharing, uh, which is a really cool story uh, about some research that was done by Johns Hopkins about how apes can remember friends even if they haven't seen them for decades, uh, over 25 years. Um, and you know, I think that's a cool reminder for us to all have from time to time is how the world is connected and how, you know, our genetic makeup is oh so close to, uh, the rest of the animal kingdom, including, uh, our ape friends, but, um, you know, we can remember somebody that we haven't seen in 25 years. So can apes and it's amazing. And also kind of makes a whole lot of sense because we're so similar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what made me uh, feel compelled to share it besides just the feel good of that story and like who doesn't love a good ape video, right? Where they see their friend from 25 years ago and everybody's happy. Um, it, it reminded me of an experience that we had this week with our daughter who's uh, 18, no, 20 months now. Um, and she was playing Guess Who with my wife, Katie. And uh, just like first time playing the game, um, not really playing the game, just kind of like looking at people's features and matching it up with their names. And um, it was like one time seeing 
John, who has brown hair and glasses and a beard, and then seeing Nick, who has a bald head and no glasses, whatever. Um, so like Katie helped her identify these like five or six names. And then, um, like on the separate guess who board, um, Katie would ask like, where's John? And she like pointed right to it. Like after like one description of the person or one time, like seeing the picture saying, this is this person. And then they went and, um, it was bath time last night. So they went and, uh, Ollie got a bath. And then even after that, Ollie wanted to keep playing the game. And she kept like pointing out these people on this game that she had only like seen or met one time. So just like the, you know, to any time that you see like that development happening and mm-hmm. to see her memory like growing and changing and everything is just, I don't know, it's the coolest thing, you know? And I think if you don't like stop and appreciate those moments as your children or people around you are like changing and learning and growing, like it's really easy for life to just go by way so fast and like not appreciate like how really amazing it is, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that it, that an ape, an animal can remember somebody that they saw over two decades ago. I mean, it's just so cool. And I don't know, maybe it's cheesy. Um, but, um, I think that like, these are the little moments that like make the world awesome. Yeah. You know, so. I love it. And what better time of the year for a little yeah. bit of cheesiness? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now's the time. Yeah. And taking in memories and mm-hmm. soaking up like people changing and all of that. Yeah. Did you ever see the video of Robin Williams and the ape? I don't I think, think it was so. an ape. I can't remember if it was an ape or an orangutan. Okay. Similar thing. He had met this primate many years before and it remembered him and it just like on top of the emotional baggage of now when you watch it you're like oh Robin Williams. I know right <laughs> yeah knowing that he's gone yeah yeah but to watch it like it was the like you don't see love like that it like it had these beautiful must have had beautiful fond memories of him yeah because it was hugging him and I, it was just gorgeous okay well we have to look at that up yeah and now share i have to find thing. it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it was cool. really neat yeah. so yeah so be prepared all right if you're right. a fan of robin williams yeah. just cry because yeah. of him and a monkey <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> so my something awesome is all thanks to uh my perpetual habit of reading just the headline of something and then really incorporating it into my personality. It's just, it's a thing I like to do, uh, to be that person who's like, oh, did you hear about this interesting thing? And then when people say, well, tell me more about that, I will say, I do not know anything else. (laughs) Uh, So I saw a headline, and I actually have an article here to share. So don't worry. Thank goodness. I saw a headline a, uh, recently, and I could not tell you. I don't know if I found that article. I found a article that supports what I'm saying. <laughs> um, that said that there are positive mental health outcomes from rewatching your favorite TV shows. Mm. And this is a thing. This is like we are heavily into that time of the year for me yeah, uh, to just binge watch <laughs> a whole, you know, show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in case you're wondering, new girl is what we're uh, doing right now. Nice. Like uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
And so this, so I had to go, I saw that headline and it is, it's one of those, it caught my eye because I face a little bit of criticism for this in my household <laughs> because I like to go back to like, I will sit and watch the office yeah. if an episode, if we come across one yeah, or Parks and Rec or Community or, you know, there are a lot of those shows that I'm just going to watch it because mm-hmm. it's my favorite thing in the world. And uh, it turns out there are a lot of good reasons people do that. And it's really good for us mentally. Uh, so I'm going to get, I'm not going to go into all of the science of what I learned from this article. But the thing that I thought was interesting is it describes the fact that, you know, human beings, because, you know, as we were evolving, we didn't have the same protections that other animals had, right? We didn't have claws and scales and horns and things. Yeah. Um, we, that is why we developed community. Hmm. And uh, it was a protection against the elements. And so uh, when we watch something that we get invested in, we get invested in the characters, um, shows that we love, um, we develop what this article calls a parasocial relationship. So it is, uh, it's a relationship with something that is not, it's a one-sided relationship, right? So you've developed this relationship with Ross and Rachel (laughs) from friends. Um, And in our, in society as it is today, uh, you know, we have in real life relationships. Um, but these parasocial relationships take the place of that full community feeling. Mm. So it's this feeling of, you know, you have friends, you have family, but at the end of the day, maybe you go to your house alone. Mm. Right. Which is, and that's when I am rewatching this stuff. Yeah. Cause my husband works late. Yeah. So I am at my house alone. And so I can, because we have streaming video available to us, we dive back into our parasocial relationship mm. and it, uh, it brings us the positive mental health benefits of community. Yeah. Uh, or so I will continue to tell people right. anyway, yeah. mm-hmm. so that I can keep watching yeah. the office. True or not. This is great <laughs> this information. Is my thing. No now. confirmation and bias. I'm happening going here. to believe yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah. So yes, I'm no, gonna share sense. I'm gonna share the article. Yeah. Made me feel really good to know that. Yeah, I see a Time magazine article, so mm-hmm. you know, legit source. So it's real. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And does make me feel like three percent better about uh maybe thirty percent better about having seen the office from front to back, I think six times. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's true. Cool. You and this means you can rewatch Ted Lasso. Yeah, oh, that's a good call, and I kind of do want to. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I do. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, see, you have a parasocial uh, relationship with you know, Ted Lasso. The other beauty that comes with this is something that I'm experiencing right now is I'm kind of in between shows. Well, mm-hmm. I'm watching Slow Horses on Apple TV, which is really really great. Um, but I'm watching. I don't know why it's one that I I can't. Binge. I want to watch it one episode at a time, maybe because I'm kind of, I don't know what's next. So I'm slowing myself down a little bit. Um, 
So when you get in that weird space where you're like, I don't have a new show right now or whatever, hey, just go and watch something that you've already seen. It's right. good for you. Right. Like it's Wheaties. good for you. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I like it. That's a great one. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, as always, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. We realized yesterday we have made, this is our 24th episode of the year. Awesome. So let's celebrate that a little bit. Right. Yay. Yay. Woo. Cue the audience clapping. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I think we can agree that's yeah. not. Okay. It's not that. <laughs> not yet. Um, so we've made 24 whole episodes this year, and you can catch up on them if this is the first episode you're listening to. Um, and this is our fifth season. Yeah. So you have five seasons. And listen, listen to them multiple times yeah. because it will create a parasocial, parasocial relationship with us. Right. And we love it. So you can always do that, create an unhealthy binging habit on your favorite podcast app. <laughs> uh, or you can find them on our blog at exclamationcuso.com slash blog. You got it. Well, speaking of celebrations, uh, let's take this opportunity to thank our clients from the year. We've worked with so many great people in 2023 um, and all of our friends, CUSO friends, credit union friends, small business friends, guest uh, friends, guest friends, so many great guests this year, right? So many awesome folks that we've had the chance to interact with in 2023. So grateful for that. Grateful for you. Thanks uh, to all of you for listening. Be awesome. And we'll see you next year. The Osmology Podcast is a production of Exclamation Services. Thanks to Nick Mulliver for sound production and Kylie Ganther for our cover artwork. Executive producers are me, Ben Bauer, and my friend, Suzanne Campbell.